Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Reichel, and this is the Betting Barrier Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network. The only place of the show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your favorite directory, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Rice Shell Radio. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about the San Francisco 49ers and their upcoming football game over the next week from a betting perspective. But before we get into any of that, can I have a quick word from our sponsor. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and BetOnline is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL in full swing, BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to the bet on head to bet online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Bet and Maria podcast. For winter break, we discuss the plan for this episode. Once again, going to talk about the upcoming week 13 game between the Niners and the Eagles from a betting perspective, but before we get into any of that, I do want to recap what happened in Week 12. Starting off with our actual picks with regard to the Niners game. Our picks were decent. Unfortunately, the game found a way slightly over the total, and we did lean to the under. We basically got the game script right entirely. The problem was Brock Purdy threw a pick six to give away a free seven points. That was the only touchdown that the Seahawks scored in the entire game. Uh, the Niners dominated up front. McCaffrey went nuts at 114 yards, two touchdowns, as the Niners eventually led 24-3 to at halftime, and they coasted from there. So nice easy winner for the Niners, and as a result, this division's basically over because the Niners are two games up right now, but you look at how Seattle's played recently. This team is fo- is really running on fumes. They play the Cowboys on Thursday, so that's probably going to be a loss. Point is, the Niners are definitely looking like they are going to cruise into another division title, which is nice. But to go through the actual stats for this game, Purdy was pretty good. Didn't really have to do much, but he did enough as he went 21 of 30 for 209 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Sacked one time, QBR of 62. Once again, the main issue for Purdy was the pick six. That was really it. He was a solid game manager throughout the game because the Seahawks could not stop the run. McCaffrey had 114 yards, two touchdowns. You saw Debo Samuel have a rushing touchdown at 15 yards. Elijah Mitchell had 39 yards as well. So the Niners as a whole had 33 carries for 169 yards, three touchdowns, 5.1 yards per carry. Very solid game on the ground. Now to go through the receiving core, Debo was good as he had 79 yards, and he once again had 15 rushing yards and a touchdown. So overall, solid game for him. I like at 50 yards and a touchdown. Didn't really do much else. Didn't need to. Uh, because he still had the touchdown. McCaffrey threw in 25 receiving yards for the fun of it, and that was basically it. Kittle was surprisingly quiet in that game, as he had 19 receiving yards, and that was basically it. Now, as for the actual Seahawks offense, Geno was horrible. He was battling a a triceps injury, and he looked like he was arguably not fit to play. He was that bad. When 18 of 27, 
for 180 yards. He was intercepted one time, no touchdown passes, sacked six times, and he also had a QBR of 14.9. As for the ground game, they definitely missed Kenneth Walker. Then again, the Niners have been great against the run all season long. So Charbonnet had 14 carries for 47 yards, Gino had 21 yards, and that was basically it. Uh, but look at the receiving core. The leading Seattle receiver had 41 yards, and it was Smith and Jigba. Metcalf did nothing, had 32 yards, three catches on nine targets, which is not ideal. Uh, Lockett had 30 yards on three catches, and that was really it. Now, as for the Niners' defense, they also were able to force a fumble in addition to the interception. So to go through the actual uh, stats here, I'll start off with the sacks. So Hargrave had a sack and a half. Gibson had a sack, Bosa had two sacks, and Armstead had one. So, once again, it does seem like acquiring Chase Young has opened up more opportunities for Nick Bosa because he's gone back to his form last year, and he's been an absolute game wrecker on defense. So it does seem like that move for Chase Young has definitely worked out as that defensive line has woken up again and has constantly pressured opposing quarterbacks. As for the actual interception, you had Ambry Thomas once again who had a pick, and for the fumble recovery, you ended up having... Uh, you had two, yeah, you had, uh, Oren Burks, who ended up having the recovery on defense, and Ronnie Bell recovered a fumble that Ray Ray McLeod had. So, either way, point is the Niners were opportunistic, forced two more turnovers, won the turnover battle, and they were able to run the ball down Seattle's throat, in route, to a very nice 31-13 road win. Now, as for the Eagles, they had probably the game of the week. You can argue the game of the year was definitely up there because that game against the Bills on Sunday afternoon was absolutely fantastic. So to go through that game, the Eagles trailed for most of it. It was bad weather, but a high-scoring game. And the Eagles did rally from behind. Buffalo finding ways to lose games again. I expect McDermott to get fired during the offseason, but the point is the Eagles found a way to win another home game. As they are 5-0 and at home, they are 10-1 and uh, overall, which is why they are currently in possession of the one seed in the entire NFC, and the entire league. So to go through the actual numbers here, uh, you saw Hertz play relatively well in the second half. He was really bad early on in that game. Uh, but Hertz finished with 200 passing yards, three touchdowns, one pick, was sacked two times, QBR of 54.2. As for the ground game, it was pretty good overall. Started off slow, but then broke it really just, it felt like every single carry late in that game was getting about six or seven yards. But Swift at 80 yards, you saw Hertz with 65 yards and two touchdowns. And that was basically it. But Philly as a whole had 185 rushing yards, two touchdowns, 5.8 yards per carry. For the receiving core, uh, Devontae had a good game. As Devontae Smith had 106 yards on seven catches. for, uh, And he also had a touchdown. Uh, A.J. Brown had a touchdown as well. 37 yards, though, didn't do much. And Zacchaeus had the big, massive third-down conversion for a touchdown. Wasn't exactly the Alabama conversion against Auburn, but it was about third and 15 in the red zone. And Zacchaeus caught a 29-yard touchdown. Besides that, though, you saw Hurts lose a fumble, and that was really it. But you're looking at the Bills offensively. They were great, simply put. Allen had one really bad interception, but he was great besides that. Had 339 passing yards and two pa uh, two touchdowns through the air. He also had 81 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the ground. So Josh Allen as a whole had 400-plus total yards, and he had four touchdowns. Now you're looking at the receiving core. You saw Gabe Davis play well. He had 105 yards and a touchdown. Diggs really didn't do much at 74 yards and a touchdown. Cook had 57 yards in the backfield from pass catching, and you also saw Shakir have a decent game of 47 yards on three catches. Kincaid was kind of quiet as he had 38 yards. So the Eagles were really bad against tight ends earlier this year. Picked up Bayard and that definitely has worked itself out. But the Bills had a lot of chances to win this game and they couldn't do it. 
They went to overtime because Elliott hit that insane 59-yarder in the rain. Then the Bills had a shot to win the game with a touchdown in overtime. Unfortunately, Gabe Davis either ran the wrong way or was just a miscommunication. But the point is you ended up seeing them squander a potential touchdown, kick a field goal, and the Eagles immediately went down the field. I feel like nobody really doubted the Eagles' offense based on how the last couple possessions in regulation played out. The Bills' defense was cooked. The Eagles found their groove, and they ended up coasting to a touchdown run by Hurts to win the game. So once again, the Bills found a way to choke, and the Eagles found a way to win despite not playing well. So I do think that you're going to see a very fun matchup here between the Niners and the Eagles in Week 13. Now, before we get into the actual line and my picks, I do want to talk about the actual injury report for both teams. So to go through the practice of Wednesday, Armstead didn't practice, Mason didn't practice, McLeod didn't practice, Williams didn't practice. However, all those were expected. Armstead is probably expected to return to practice on Thursday or Friday, and Trent Williams did not practice because of his normal routine. Tends to rest in the middle of the week, so that it, that absence doesn't really mean anything. As for the Eagles, they might be missing a couple of players. You have Cal Katerra, who did not practice. Fletcher Cox didn't practice. Line, uh, linebacker Zach Cunningham didn't practice. Safety Justin Evans and Dallas Goddard all did not practice. And then a couple of limited players, so you can argue that they're banged up as a core because A.J. Brown was limited, Jordan Davis was limited with a hamstring issue, Lane Johnson was limited, Julio Jones was limited, I forgot Julio was still on the team, Devontae ended up being limited, DeAndre Swift got limited, and that's basically it. So, the Niners seem to be healthier. Now, of course, they did lose a Funga a couple weeks ago for the year, and Odom got injured, so they do have a couple injuries to deal with, but I do think that the Niners are overall the healthier bunch, especially with how many people are limited for the Eagles on the injury report, a lot of key players. So since we covered the injury report, now we're going to transition over to the actual betting lines for this game in Week 13. So the line movement's been pretty alarming in favor of the Niners, actually. As the Eagles open up as one-point favorites at home, makes sense. They're undefeated at home, 10-1 and this season record-wise. So you'd assume, okay, maybe slight favorite at home. Then the actual betters said that makes no sense at all, and the Niners have been slammed ever since. Niners went from plus one on the road to minus two and a half, so a lot of line movement in favor of San Francisco, and the totals been bet up as well from 46 and a half to 47 and a half. So I do think even though the injuries might be baked in, which I mentioned a second ago with, for example, A.J. Brown being banged up, Devontae Smith being banged up, you have Jordan Davis being banged up, I get it, but Three and a half points, four points is massive for a line movement in this spot, and I do think that it is pretty telling to me. Now, I think the squares, the casual betters, will be all over the Eagles because they are going to be getting three or getting two and a half at home when they have won five straight and they're undefeated at home. So I think that the public will be all over the Eagles in the spot. I think the Sharps have already been all over the Niners, which is why the line has moved about three and a half points. And to go through the actual reason why the Niners have been steamed. You can make a lot of arguments that the Eagles are a very overrated football team and that this team is pretty fraudulent. Now, of course, winning is winning, and I have to point out that if you start off 10-1, and one, you could argue the Belichick, uh, not the Belichick, the uh, Parcells theory, which is you are what your record is, and the Eagles, based on that, should be the Super Bowl favorites. They should be the class of the league. But you're looking at the last couple of games and the last couple of months, honestly, they really have not had many complete 60-minute games. And to go through the recent performances, last week they beat the Bills in overtime, game they probably should have lost. Took a 59-yard field goal in the rain, and Elliott drained it, but we think they probably should have lost that game. Played the Chiefs the week prior, probably should have lost that game too. 
Kelsey fumbled in the red zone. Scantling dropped a wide of a touchdown pass to win the game. So the Eagles found a way to win that one. Probably should not have played the Cowboys, won that game at home. Probably should have lost. You had Dak stepping out on the two-point conversion, or you had the uh, pass to the tight end where he was a bit short there, which was a bit unfortunate for the Cowboys. They had a shot to win the game. They were inside the red zone and took a couple sacks and ended up blowing it. So the Eagles won that game. The point is you can make a serious case that the Eagles should have lost each of the last three games they played in. So on one hand, the Eagles have found ways to win games they've been now played in, which is definitely a nice uh, sign moving forward because the Eagles are a Super Bowl favorites able of winning multiple games despite not having their best game. On the other hand, if you constantly don't have your best game, how good are you? And I feel like you can kind of make an argument either way. But I do think the Niners are the better football team. And I do think that the Niners should be able to get after Hurts. I think they'll be able to stop the run. And I do think that even though the Eagles are the favorites based on the betting markets to win the Super Bowl, if you matched up the Eagles against the Niners in the playoffs, and assuming that Purdy's not injured, they don't have to use Josh Johnson, I'm taking the Niners. And the Niners are the better football team. And I do think that even though the Eagles are 10-1 and and they're worthy of being the Super Bowl favorite based on record, there's a lot of reasons to think they're overrated, and there's a lot of reasons to think that this team is actually in line to potentially get upset somewhat early in the playoffs. And I do think that as a result, the Niners are an undervalued commodity, at least based on the public betting market compared to the Eagles, which is why the odds makers, the uh, actual uh, bookmakers, set the price with the Eagles being favored, and the sharp bettors immediately slammed it and said, no way in hell this team's better than the Niners. So I do think the Niners are going to win this game. I think they're going to be able to build off of the defensive performances they've had the last couple of weeks. I think they'll get after Hurts, and they'll be able to move the ball through the air against a pretty shaky secondary. We saw Allen do the same thing last week. Dak did the same thing in Philly a couple weeks ago. I do think that the Niners will be able to move the ball through the air. I think they'll be able to win the game. And I do think up front... The Niners will be able to hold their own and then some. So for me, I am going to back the line movement here. I am going to go with the Niners minus two and a half. It is pretty telling, once again, that the best team record-wise in the league has had a three and a half point line move against them at home. That tells me a lot. Give me the Niners minus the two and a half. And I am going to go with the over in this game. I do think that even though the Niners defense is pretty good, I do think that the Eagles defense is pretty rough. And I do think that the passing weapons that the Eagles have can find holes in the secondary that the Niners possess. So for me, I am going to lean to the over, mostly because the Eagles are involved and they've been a pretty high-scoring team, and defensively, they've not been great. So I'm going to go with the over, and I think you're going to see some points. Give me the Niners to win this game somewhere in the realm of 27-24. to 24. So give me the over, and give me the Niners minus 2.5. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We're going to be back once again next week for the Niners' upcoming Week 14 game. Hopefully off of a nice win against Philly, but for week 14, the Niners are playing at home against the Seahawks, so they basically have a chance to wrap up the division over the next two weeks. But until next week, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.